This is a GRDC podcast. Getting the most out of your spraying program involves a multitude of factors, all of which are capable of being compromised. Balancing efficacy, efficiency and managing risks of spray drift are just part of the process. Maximising effectiveness also involves good application techniques and paying attention to the calibration of sprayers to make sure they're in good working condition. Hello, I'm Deborah Bishop. I spoke with spray application specialist Bill Campbell, who's coined the phrase that the most expensive herbicide is the one that doesn't work. Bill refers to the need to hit the target to increase growers' awareness and understanding of making good weed spraying decisions to save money and to achieve desired outcomes in the paddock. Bill says it's difficult to evaluate true losses and implications due to poor spray application other than when requiring a complete respray. But good planning and adopting solid techniques such as effective setup of sprayers using water-sensitive paper will enable growers to hit that target more often than not and avoid the most expensive of all herbicides, the one that doesn't work. So I work as an independent agronomist, but I also have an interest in spray application and help growers with setting up and making boom sprays work effectively at paddock level. So indirectly, it's about good, effective herbicide use. So the most expensive herbicide is the one that doesn't work. And so that's the play on words. It's about hitting the target, making that herbicide or insecticide or fungicide most effective for the growers. So we're talking primarily about increasing awareness and understanding of making good weed spraying decisions. And when we're talking about that one that doesn't work, there's a lot of reasons behind that. Take us through those. Well, it's about teaching techniques or how do you check that your spray is spraying correctly. And so there's some guidelines that we can use. And if we follow those guidelines, majority of the cases that you'll achieve effective weed control insect control, fungicide application. So really we're just trying to get growers to spray properly, you know, within a set of parameters. So we're not necessarily talking the chemical here, we're talking the way they're doing it, the application of applying the herbicide. Yes, we are, but I understand your question because with chemicals we have different modes of action and we have translocated herbicides and then we have contact and so the techniques or the application method will be ever so subtly different for those two types of herbicides or chemicals. And then the other part of it is that depends upon what the target is. Is it a flat weed on the ground that's easy to hit? Or is it a small vertical ryegrass that needs another technique? Or likewise, is it a great big thick crop canopy that we need to get penetration into? So it's about breaking all those segments apart. So it's not a one size fits all, is it? We're talking about here. No, not at all. And it changes throughout the year. So there's different techniques for different herbicides or modes of action or insecticides. So it's about getting growers to understand, then they can adapt what they need to do for the different situations that they're dealing with in the paddock. Okay. So how can growers maximise that efficiency and efficacy from different spray technologies? So primarily when we set up a sprayer, it's a very theoretical process. And so we can surmise that we're aiming after a certain droplet spectrum and water volume to achieve certain coverage guidelines. Then they go to the paddock and spray. 
but we're not actually checking it or measuring that in between step. So what we're doing now and what we're recommending growers to do is to go and check with water sensitive paper so they can put out water sensitive paper, run their sprays. And the key to all of this now is that we've had them for a long period of time, but there's a set of parameters that we can apply to different situations where we can actually count the droplet density on that paper and we can measure the area covered. And so we've got certain guidelines for say, what we call good coverage situations. We need 40 drops per square centimetre, we need 12 to 15% area covered. So if growers set their sprayer up and achieve those results, when they do go and apply that chemical, then most of the time it'll work. There's a few other parameters that might come into play, but we're just making it repeatable, you know, make it so it works every time. Because it's been truly quite difficult to measure accurate losses and implications of poor application, hasn't it? Yeah, it's only with time and with knowledge that we've gone to this next step of saying let's quantify and put some numbers to what we need to be achieving. And really that information or that science, it's been proven for 20 to 30 years, but we just haven't been applying it. You know, we've forgotten about it. And so it's nothing new, but it's just a way of coming up with some sort of rigour and say, not just guess, let's measure it. And then, you know, we're moving on. And that's the sort of world that we live in now. Ten years ago, it was a lot of guesswork and trust that it worked, but we're not in that phase now. Are you able to actually land on the best practice when it comes to getting the product to target? And why is that so important? Well, I guess what we're trying to achieve is best practice. And by doing this next step of putting the paper out, measuring it, defining what the numbers are, does it meet the guidelines? Then we are. Because there are international guidelines, aren't there, for that? Yeah, so the international guidelines are not to that much detail. They'll have a mode of action, say, like with glyphosate, and they'll say that you can use a coarse to very coarse droplets, 30 to 50 litres of water. So that's an international guideline, but when we apply it within our Australian conditions of trying to control one or two leaf ryegrass, which is a very small vertical target, we know that those guidelines need to be modified for what we've got. So really we're talking 70 litres medium, but if we apply these other parameters of droplet density and area fraction covered, then if we're short or we don't make those numbers, then the growers need to know they need to make an adjustment. So they need to increase the water rate, change the droplet spectrum. So they could adjust from those base international guidelines. I know that's getting quite complex, but that's where we need to go, you know, in our million dollar businesses. But what if growers aren't checking, say, the coverage of their sprayers? So if they're not checking the coverage of their sprayers, the first time they know that the sprayer is not spraying properly or correctly is when they get a failure or a poor spray job in the field. But to add to that, growers who are checking what they're spraying, if they get presented with another set of circumstances, say it's windy or it's a great big thick crop or conditions are compromised, then they can actually check what they need to be changing to adapt to those conditions. So if we're talking bottom line here, is this something that growers on profitability that they can actually look at saving money because it's a machinery application as opposed to a herbicide issue? It's both. You can't isolate either of them because when you have a failure or a poor job, they're both interrelated. So at the end of the day, when you have a failure and you need to go back and re-spray, well, there's extra chemical. There's time to do the job. But generally in a busy program, it'll impede on other logistics of you know, when they should be doing those jobs. So the multi-effect kicks on. But the hidden part of it is really long-term where you might have sub-lethal or jobs where weeds are slow to die is you're putting a lot of selection pressure on for, in particular herbicides, herbicide resistance. 
and that's a slow sleeping issue and eventually sublethal dose will lead to a failure but then you're selecting putting genetics back into the system where it's making it you need higher rates for metabolic type resistance. So there's the subtle hidden issue is probably the bigger one, the complete failure. It's quite a rare event. So the sublethal, I don't know how you quantify it, but long term, that's the uh, expensive one, I believe. And this sort of information, you provide this Australia-wide, don't you, in workshops alongside with GRDC? Yeah, so I work privately. I set up Boom Sprays, but I also do extension work for GRDC. And we're just coming to the completion of a 20-workshop series in Western Australia over the last five years. COVID interfered in the middle of it. And it's about full-day workshops teaching growers the basics of spraying and then moving on into calibration and what they need to do. So when they go home at the end of the day, they've got a skill set so they can check how they're spraying. They can actually calculate their flow rates, work out the correct nozzles for them. And so really they don't need to see me again. They've got this skill set to arm them. And then of recent times, this is younger skill set of farmers coming through who's teaching those younger people. Is there a penny drop moment for some of them, if not all of them? Like, ah, I got it now. <laughs> uh, yes, I think there is. And it's just a matter of there's so many components to spraying and there's so much going on is to just declutter it, deconfuse it, make it simple and understand the simple practice. And whilst we've been talking about quantifying with water-sensitive paper, you can do an all-day workshop, go to the paddock, run some sprays, try some different setups. And until they see that bit of water-sensitive paper, really don't need to be measuring it because you can see whether it's doing a good job or a bad job. So they're highly satisfying to get that positive feedback at the end. And then as part of that workshop series is I maintain some nozzle guides and certain publications within GRDC. And I think personally it's really good, it's important to give back to the industry. So you have your private work, you have you know, your extension work and then you have give back to the community with the GRDC activities. So cramming those all-day workshops into a handful of words here, what are the checks, if you like, that growers can do? Exactly what we've been talking about is understand the base guidelines of why we need to run say particular spray quality and water volume what we're trying to achieve out of that and then go and put your paper out check your paper and then if it's not satisfactory then you have the skills to be able to adjust and say well how do we make it better why isn't it working and if it's working good well you've achieved something and it's also about not wasting money isn't it by using herbicides in the wrong way Absolutely. So it's about giving them the skill set and the understanding of how they can check what's happening and then that way they're not wasting that expensive herbicide and and they're hitting the target. And hitting the target, it's what it's all about, isn't it? Yes, the most expensive herbicide is the one that doesn't work. Bill, thanks very much for talking to us today. Thank you. We've been listening to independent agronomist Bill Campbell from Bill Campbell Consulting. You can head to the GRDC website for further information. I'm Deborah Bishop and thanks for listening.